To Not on Twilight Tonic, we're going to welcome Ken Gayhard. He is a widely recognized cryptozoologist and field investigator. In addition to co-hosting the History Channel's Missing in Alaska, Ken's research has been featured on 46 TV television episodes, Ancient Aliens, Monster Quest, and The Real Wolfman, American on Earth, In Search of Monsters, Legend Hunters, Monsters and Mysteries in America, Weird or What with William Shatner, Paranatural, Unexplained Files. He has appeared on news broadcasts and nationally known radio programs such as Coast to Coast. Ken has traveled to 26 countries and six continents and 48 states. Ken's books include The Essential Guide to Bigfoot, A Menagerie of Mysterious Beasts, Encounters with Flying Humanoids, and Big Birds, Modern Sightings of Flying Monsters, The Essential Guide to the Loch Ness Monster. Let's get started. Ken, welcome to the show tonight. I'm so excited about having you. How are you? Good evening, Dee Dee. It's wonderful to be here with you this evening. I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. Thank and uh, it's it's an honor to be here. I'm excited to talk to you. I'm so excited about talking to you. I've read a few of your amazing books, seen you on many shows, and I have been a big fan of yours for quite some time now, actually. Oh, thank you. That's that's very kind of you. I, I appreciate your support and interest. Yeah, I want to know, and I know some of the peeps I've talked to that were excited about you being on the show. How does one become a cryptozoologist? Yeah, well, that's probably the number one question I get asked because there aren't many of us, to be no. honest with you. But uh, uh, what I tell people is uh, it was certainly not a planned career mm. path. Uh, it's been a lifelong passion and interest of mine dating back to when I was about eight or nine years old. Uh-huh. And um, so a little background. Um, my father uh, was a scientist. Uh, he's mm-hmm. a forestry forestry professor. Uh-huh. And uh, so I grew up in kind of a scientific uh, family and, um, uh, you know, a lot, lot of uh, time in the outdoors, camping and fishing. And he was a forestry <laughs> professor. So a lot of time in the woods. And um, so uh, I loved animals and mm-hmm. uh, creatures. Uh, my first pet was a little 
uh, caiman, a small alligator, oh, and wow. uh, I collected lots of uh, snakes and salamanders and creepy crawlies when I was a kid. So that was <laughs> always exciting to me. Uh, so I loved animals, and um, but you know I also loved monster movies growing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know Godzilla movies and Creature from the Black Lagoon and sci-fi mm-hmm. and all that. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, when I was about eight or nine years old, I was one Saturday morning, I was watching cartoons and they, there was a little commercial break and uh, a little news story they did on Bigfoot. Mm-hmm. And, uh, they showed, a, a clip from the famous Patterson Gimlin uh, footage yes. yeah. and they, they showed some pictures of guys holding plaster casts of giant human-like footprints. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, that was it. It was like, wow, Bigfoot represented you know, everything that I loved in terms of animals, you know, it seemed like it could be kind of a mysterious animal, but it was also a monster, you know, this right. big, hairy, man-like creature running around in the woods. And uh, so I, um, so that kind of started it for me. And I spent a lot of time at the library as a kid, checking out all the books I could on cryptozoology. And um, some other seminal things happened at that age. Um I grew up in uh, Minnesota, and mm-hmm. um, at that time, which was the summer of 1976, I was at the Minnesota State Fair, and mm-hmm. I saw this exhibit called the Minnesota Iceman, which was oh, like wow. <laughs> supposedly like this dead Bigfoot that they had frozen in a block of ice, and mm-hmm. uh, so that was that was kind of happening around that time. And then, of course, a lot of things on television, like a lot of uh, people my age, it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Legend of Boggy Creek and uh, In Search of with Leonard Demoy. Oh, and, yes. <laughs> you know, Six Million Dollar Man <laughs> episode where Bigfoot appears. And so all of Bigfoot was really big back around that time. So <laughs> so all of that was happening. And then my mother, um, God rest her soul, was a very adventurous person. She <laughs> loved to, to tell me about stories about the Yeti and the Mothman and um, – but she also loved to travel, and uh, mm-hmm. she took me and my family on many amazing vacations. We traveled all over the world, and uh, at a young age, I was camping mm-hmm. along the Amazon River and exploring the Galapagos Islands. I you know, hiked through the Australian mm-hmm. desert, wow. and uh, dur- during that time, I was always kind of interested in whatever legends, wherever we traveled, I was looking into the legends of strange creatures and legendary beasts that were Mm -hmm. from any particular area. And then when I was 15 years old, um, my mother arranged for us to vacation at Loch Ness in Scotland, which of course is the the home to the famous Loch Ness monster or Nessie. Mm -hmm. And that's when I put my little investigator hat on and I was (laughs) interviewing people around the lake. And I had an eight millimeter movie camera that I carried around in case I could, you know, got some footage. So, so yeah, it's just been a lifelong thing, a uh, passion. I never, you know, I didn't plan to make it a career, but I've just <laughs> been very blessed. And, uh, you know, maybe 20 years ago, uh, I began, you know, writing books and mm-hmm. appearing on TV shows and they just, uh, you know, that opened a lot of doors for me. So here I am. <laughs> now, Ken, have you ever experienced any of these creatures firsthand? Yeah, a lot of people ask me that as well. I've never yeah. seen I've never seen a cryptid. And for <laughs> your listeners that aren't familiar, I'm sure most of them are. A cryptid is what we refer to in the field of cryptozoology as a you know mystery animal. You know right. something 
like Bigfoot or the Loch Ness Monster or the Chupacabra, Mothman, so forth. Mm -hmm. I've never seen any of those with my own eyes. I've been doing field work for decades all over the continent Mm -hmm. and the world. Um, However, I am convinced that I have heard Bigfoot, Sasquatch vocalize Mm -hmm. on several occasions in different areas. And uh, one time in particular that I write about in my book, The Essential Guide to Bigfoot, Mm -hmm. I was uh, with some other researchers uh, on August 18th, 2003, at a location in North Texas called Cottonwood Lake. Mm -hmm. And uh, we had heard there were Bigfoot sightings recently around this this remote uh, little lake. And um, right after sundown, we heard and recorded some very strange vocalizations close by. Um, Mm -hmm. I still have the recordings. It sounded like an ape. It was a big, powerful vocalization, very primate-like, kind Mm -hmm. of a grunting sound. Um, and we couldn't see it because it was in heavy brush. And, uh, so we tried to flush it out and we're unsuccessful. And then we went up to a higher vantage point over the lake and we shined down a spotlight and we saw some, some eyes reflecting in our spotlight. Um, and then, uh, through the course that we camped there and through the course of the night, we heard, Something was kind of moaning, like a cry. It had moved to across the lake, and it sounded like a wailing kind of moaning sound, very powerful. And uh, it would respond to us. We would call out to it, and it would answer back and stuff. Mm -hmm. And um, then the following morning, we finally uh, made our way through the thick brush where we had originally heard this thing grunting at us. And it was a beach on the lake, and we found these very deep, human-like footprints in the Mm -hmm. sand and we found um a number of large turtles that had been ripped in half the the shells were were ripped up uh, from top to bottom cleanly torn in half uh no flesh or anything just the Mm -hmm. the shells parts of shells and uh, i certainly you know can't think of any animal native to north america that would be capable of, of tearing a turtle and a half like that. So, right. um, so yeah, so that was a pretty crazy night and morning. And so that's probably the closest I think I've been to a, a Bigfoot or a Sasquatch. Yeah. For listeners, turtles get really big in Texas. <laughs> yep, they do. <laughs> really big. <laughs> so We got some big ones. These were uh, like probably like red-eared slider turtles or map turtles, but they were mm-hmm. big, good size. I mean, I've got some photographs of those uh, turtle shells that have been torn up as well. Uh. I've always been very interested when you talk about Bigfoot or you ask people about Bigfoot, they tend to be like, oh, that can't exist. But to me, it makes Mm. so much sense that a primate would exist in these woods because there's a lot we don't explore in this country. Mm. I mean, we Mm -hmm. have vast amounts of wilderness here. Do people often ask you that or tell you that's impossible? Well, I certainly understand why people think it would be impossible. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the face of it, it seems highly improbable that a large primate hominin could be running around undiscovered in this day and age. Mm-hmm. Um, but to your point, and by the way, um, 
you know, based on surveys through the years, about 18 to 22 percent of people that were polled or surveyed thought Bigfoot might could exist. So about uh, so about 80 percent of the population (laughs) thinks no way it could exist, Mm -hmm. even though everybody and I I always kind of, you know, add this in and say, well, you know, everybody loves the concept of Bigfoot, even if you don't think it could exist. But anyways, I digress. To your point, um, I've been very blessed. I've traveled all over the world to 26 different countries on six continents. I've been to 48 states. I've been up and down the continent. And a lot of people don't realize there is a lot of wilderness area left Mm -hmm. on our planet. Um, Based on one recent survey, as much as 46%, almost half of the Earth's land surface is designated as wilderness area. Meaning that that humans don't go there much because it's not easy to survive there. So, um, and I also think that um, you know, I get the sense that looking at the evidence that Bigfoot must be essentially adapted to. You know, a lot of a lot of zoology is about adaptation, and that's something that I'm very very uh, much an advocate of is is adaptation. So. I think Bigfoot has basically adapted behaviors, uh, what I I refer to as avoidance behaviors. Basically, they're very skilled at not being found by humans. And so, you know, you could certainly make an argument that they're intelligent enough to recognize that humans are very dangerous to them, that we would drive them to extinction. Yes. As we have done with all the other, you know, well, many species, but all of our competing hominins through the millennia, you know, Neanderthals, Denisovans and so forth. Um, So, you know, I think, I think they're just very skilled. I've heard them referred to by some of my colleagues as the ninjas of the forest. Yeah. Um, They are very fat. They're big, but they're very fast. Um, They're very good at camouflaging themselves uh, there are a lot of accounts of them peeking out from behind trees, so they use trees to hide behind. Mm-hmm. Um, they probably move away from us very quickly when they sense we're in the area. They're, they seem to be nocturnal. They seem mm-hmm. to be nomadic, move around a lot. Yeah. They live in remote areas. So, I mean, they're and, – and also I think they're very rare, Didi. I think they – you know, they mm-hmm. – certainly if if there were more of them, we'd probably have better evidence that they existed. So, mm-hmm. again – uh, to go back to your original question, I totally understand why people would question the reality of Bigfoot. And I encourage, I always encourage people to think critically and to question and challenge. I think that's an important thing Yes. Uh, for all humans to do that. But, um, you know, I'm convinced, I'm 90% convinced they exist. I haven't seen one, so that's that's still pretty, pretty confident, right? Yeah, well... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I have. I remember when I was little, my mom grew up in New York State in the Adirondack Mountains, um, like forty-five minutes from Lake Placid, mm-hmm. and she said all of her relatives talked about the ape in the woods. Mm. So, yeah, you have so many native. I mean, I mean, this is the mountain of evidence that I try to present to people that that I again are skeptical. You have. Thousands of modern reports that have been documented on various mm-hmm. databases and investigated for decades. You have Native American yes. 
yeah. traditions that span the whole continent from the Pacific Northwest to the area you're talking about in New England to, you know, all over, Southeast, you name it. And then you have footprint evidence, physical trace evidence. There have been hundreds and thousands of large or gigantic human-like footprints that have been found, documented, photographed, measured, and even cast uh, with plaster and stuff and uh, lifted out of the ground. And then you also have some photographic evidence in terms of the Patterson-Gimlin Bigfoot film, which is still controversial after all these years, but very interesting. So Mm -hmm. uh, there really is a lot of, I mean, you can make a pretty strong case. I think most people that deny the reality or the possibility that Bigfoot could exist have not been exposed to all of that evidence. Right. And not to mention, those creatures are all over the world and recorded. Yes. So that's kind of odd. I always, I always tell people, if something's recorded all over the world, um, you got to stop to think. <laughs> it's like, that's kind of odd because we have one here, they have one there, and then they have the yeah. Yeti. <laughs> Yeah, they're very compelling uh, or very, very consistent as far as the physical descriptions. Mm-hmm. But you're right. You have Bigfoot or Sasquatch in North America and mm-hmm. a number of other Native American names. There is the Yeti or Abominable Snowman, as we call it in the Himalaya. There is China has something called the Yeren. Yes. In Russia and Mongolia, it's known as the Almas or Almasti. Throughout Asia, it's also known as the Dev, Kaptar, mm-hmm. Mande Barung, Goi Rung. Australia has something called the Yawi, South America, the Ukumar, Mapinguare. I mean, there you're right. All over the world, there are traditions of things like Bigfoot. And, um, you know, that that's interesting for a couple of reasons, Didi. One is that from a zoological perspective, and keep in mind, as a cryptozoologist, I try to view all of these things through the, the prism of zoology. That's what cryptozoology is really based on. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, skeptics would say, well, it's, you know, you, you can't have one animal species widespread all over the world. Um, you know, most animals, although there are some animals that can be very widespread, like foxes and, you know, brown bears and things like that that mm-hmm. have, you know, range on across different continents. But some would say, well, you can't have an animal that's that widespread all over the world. But, you know, here's the the catch 22 is that it's um, it's a hominin. So it's it's an animal, but it's also. I'm not saying it's human, but it's human like in some mm-hmm. respects. So uh, it 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 may have, you know, if you look at ancient hominins or pre-human forms in the fossil record, you have things like Homo erectus, which Mm -hmm. was one of our direct ancestors, and that Homo erectus spread out of Africa all over Asia, uh, into parts of Europe, and possibly even into Australia tens of thousands of years ago. So there's an example of a man-like animal, a hominin, that was almost worldwide. We don't know if it made it to the Americas. There's no evidence that they did, but still that's pretty, pretty compelling. Yeah. I always found that really interesting. Um, The next thing I like to talk about are humanoids. Mm. That's fascinating to me. Like what, 
what can you tell us? What kind of research have you done with those? I mean, I hear all kinds of strange things about those humanoids. They could fly. They're lizard-like. Yeah. So, um, so nice segue. Uh, we've been talking about hominins, which are mm-hmm. basically human-like creatures that uh, animals that that basically can be found in our fossil record. Mm-hmm. However, you also have kind of a fringe area of cryptozoology deals with some of these reports and traditions of human-like monsters that also have animal-like characteristics. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could also refer to these as anthropomorphic creatures, combining human and animal elements. And so you have, as you said, there are reports of winged humanoids, flying humanoids, uh, humanoids. There's something called the goat man that's been Mm -hmm. described all over the place. There is something called the dog man, which has become very popular. Mm. Uh, Going farther back in history and uh, legend, you have mermaids and lizard man. And so, yeah, you have all these different variations there's even some there are even some far out ones dd i've investigated like uh pig man oh my and uh donkey lady and uh cat man i mean there's some really weird ones so they okay so from a zoological point of view these make no sense whatsoever you can't have a human like lizard or i mean that's not how evolution has that's not how it works. However, there are reports and I've interviewed many credible people that swear that they've seen these strange creatures. So I don't really know what, what to make of them. I, mm-hmm. I, I don't <laughs> think that they you could explain them zoologically, mm-hmm. but as an open-minded person – Uh, that acknowledges there are things in our world that we just simply don't understand uh, at this point in history. Mm -hmm. They're just beyond our realm of understanding. Um, And I have colleagues that investigate the paranormal and UFOs Mm -hmm. and different things like that. So I'm open-minded. And, uh, you know, that's kind of how I view some of these, like, humanoid creatures is that if they exist, they cannot say, since they can't exist zoologically they must be some type of supernatural or metaphysical mm-hmm. c- construct or manifestation and uh beyond that i would be it would just be wild speculation on my part <laughs> as far as what they are where they come from but people seem to be seeing them and uh you know they should not exist mm-hmm. but uh but so many people are are you know reporting these things so who knows Wow. Of course, being a girl, you know, mermaids fascinate me. Oh, yeah. (laughs) We all want to be mermaids, of course. (laughs) But from what I've heard, they don't look like the mermaids we would think. Um, Yeah, there are different, you know, interpretations. Um, (laughs) There uh, there's a famous account of um, during World War Two of there was a guy that had written that, and I'm sorry, I don't have the exact reference in front of me. There's so many of these types of stories uh, that claims that he saw a mermaid that was pulled up in fishing nets. Uh, I think this was somewhere in Indonesia during mm-hmm. World War II. And yeah, you're right. He said it was hideous looking. He said it looked, mm-hmm. you know, it had a woman-like form, but she was really ugly and 
long nose and just ugly, wrinkly skin. And uh, it was a very unflattering picture. It wasn't the beautiful mm-hmm. sort of striking um, erotic mermaid that we think of. So, but, right. uh, but, uh, but I don't know the, the most recent mermaid sightings uh, that I'm familiar with are from 2009. And that mm-hmm. was uh, in a little town on the coast of Israel. There were several, reports of a mermaid flopping around there in 2009 <laughs> which is pretty surprising when you think about you know how recent that is but yeah. um yeah it's uh it's all fascinating i would have told her to run and run quickly <laughs> <laughs> don't stay don't stay go back to the ocean so the other thing i find super interesting are werewolves mm-hmm. i just find that whole concept interesting because it's it's like one of those creatures that is almost all over the world as well. Yeah. Um, a man sure. turning or a giant wolf that can speak and walk upright. What's your views on that? Uh, well, this is interesting because, you know, you have modern sightings, many modern sightings of something mm-hmm. that's being referred to as the dog man. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I have I've investigated a few of those, but I'm not as heavily into the dogman topic as some of my colleagues, but people that I've talked to that have investigated dogman seem to delineate it from werewolves. They don't uh, connect the two whatsoever, which in my mind, looking at a, you know, the kind of the wide view, it seems very similar because, mm-hmm. you know, werewolf is obviously, you know, in German where basically means man. And, mm-hmm. you know, so it's like a man wolf and a dog man, but, but uh, my do- dogman researchers will say, oh, no, 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 that's very different. And here's why. Mm-hmm. The traditional werewolf, and you're right, there's many different, you know, uh, throughout Europe, you have the Vrokalak Vro- and mm-hmm. Lobeson and um, the wolf Wolver. I mean, there are all these different versions of, of werewolves. In, uh, but the, the, the peak of, of werewolf hysteria in Europe was like, uh, the 15th, 16th, and 17th century, kind of during the Renaissance, when there were all kinds of werewolf legends popping up, and also people that were sadly being tortured and burned okay. at the stake because they were accused of being werewolves and witches. Mm-hmm. Um, the traditional European werewolf is a shapeshifter, as you said. It is a right. a person that essentially makes a pact with the devil and uh, they decide to do his bidding, and so they they turn into a wolf, and they they this transformation sometimes it involves putting on a a pelt uh, over your skin. Sometimes it involves rubbing on a sac- a secret ointment or something mm-hmm. like that. Uh, but once the human has transformed into the wolf form, uh, the traditional werewolf is basically just described as like a big wolf. Um, but sometimes it has slight human-like characteristics, like human-like eyes, or it's missing its tail. There really aren't as many accounts in uh, prehistory, or, or I'm sorry, in in history, there aren't as many accounts of werewolves going up on their hind legs. That's mm-hmm. more of like a that's more of like a Hollywood construct. Uh. When uh, Lon Chaney Jr. turned into the Wolf Man. They took a lot of liberties with the werewolf and they made him kind of a wolf man. But if you look at the werewolves in antiquity, they aren't walking upright. They're basically just big wolves that are very cunning, mm-hmm. 
bloodthirsty, killing lots of people. Uh, but they turn into wolves for whatever period of time that they're going to do these heinous acts. And then they transform or shapeshift back into a human at the end of it. So Dogman seems to be different because <clears throat> many people describe Dogman as going upright on its hind legs mm-hmm. predominantly. Uh, although there are accounts of them running on all fours. And they do seem to have more human-like features, kind of a mixture of wolf-like. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, they have a wolf-like head, but they may have a very powerful human-like torso with broad shoulders, human-like arms, uh, and then dog-like legs that are mm-hmm. very powerful. So uh, yeah, you're right. It's it's very confusing. It seems like they should be connected right. or related. Uh, but in other ways, you know, they seem to have kind of distinct characteristics so it's uh it's fascinating yeah i i just can't imagine how they separated them so much because they sound so 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 together you know yeah they they are very similar and um you know it's really been fascinating how uh the genesis of the dogman hysteria how it's blown up in recent Mm -hmm. years I mean, we first heard of there. You can, if you dig deep, you can find some older Dogman accounts. I've investigated some from the seventies and right. so forth. But really, Dogman came onto the scene um, in a big way in the late nineteen eighties, early nineteen nineties, when you had something called the Beast of Bray Road, which was reported up in mm-hmm. Elkhorn, Wisconsin, in and around Elkhorn, Wisconsin, and you also had the Dogman tradition from. Uh, Manistee State Forest in Michigan and up in the Upper mm-hmm. Peninsula. Um, but since that time, Dee Dee, I mean, you have now you have these just all kinds of very popular podcasts, yeah, uh, where people call in with their you know encounter dogman encounters uh, yes. and and uh, it's dogman's really blown up. It's uh, it's a really big mystery right now, and it seems like people are seeing it everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, all over the United States, uh, all over the world, Europe, Africa, Australia, South America. And uh, so it's like it's something that just kind of, you know, it's kind of like the the dogman's like the Beatles of cryptozoology. <laughs> it's just kind of there's like this huge hysteria and it's everybody's seeing them. And um, so, yeah, it's uh, it's it's a fascinating phenomenon, to be sure. So, Ken, what is your favorite investigation or field work that you've done in the past oh. 10 years? Oh, gosh, it's, it's so hard. Um, <laughs> you've done so many. I can't even I, imagine. <laughs> I've done I've done I've done many and I've been very blessed and really had a ball. Um, earlier this year, during the summer of uh, this past year, I traveled up to northern California and I searched for uh, we did an expedition uh, where some colleagues and I searched for monstrous salamanders that have been reported from the Trinity National Forest up in Northern California. What? Sal- <laughs> salamanders that are like described as five to nine feet long what? in these little running creeks. So that was fun. Wow. We didn't didn't find any of those, but that's always been a an intriguing cryptid. Um, are they dangerous? Oh, no. No accounts of them attacking people. Well, actually, I take that back. Some of the Native American, uh, the local tribes like the uh, the Hoopa uh-huh. and uh, Yurik uh, people up there say that the uh, 
they have an, uh, a native name for it, and it translates to the long ones. That's what they call these salamanders. And there are traditions of them eating or drowning small children. But, um, mm. um, you know, those are just kind of old stories. Um, so, no, they're generally not considered to be very dangerous, though, um, unless you're a crab or a frog. Yeah, and then a... you might be able to be Um so that was fun. Um, you know, I've investigated Mothman-like creatures in Mexico, mm-hmm. in the in the mountain, the Sierra Madre Mountains. Uh, there, there's a Birdman that's been described down. That was an amazing. Uh, uh, chupacabra attacks in Mexico. Wow. Uh, I, I I love investigating uh, south of the border. So I've also done um, in the nation of Belize. I I mounted investigations to search for. Bigfoot-like creatures down there. Wow. Called the Sisamito. Um, in France, I searched for a legendary, we were talking about werewolves. One of the yeah. most famous werewolves is called the Beast of Gévaudan. And I did an expedition to search for that in 2009, 2008. Wow. I mean, so yeah, I've, I, it's hard for me to choose a favorite, honestly. I've really, mm-hmm. they're, they're all, they've all been very different, you know, mm-hmm. different, different types of habitats, different uh clues and um you know aspects that that had to be explored so um so I, i'm sorry i can't i can't, it's hard too hard <laughs> to choose like what what's my favorite people sure. ask me that all the time but uh you know well it's your passion it's my passion and i love the variety you know i love mm-hmm. certainly bigfoot is the rock star and i love investigating bigfoot and sasquatch and mm-hmm. But uh, lake monsters, thunderbirds, black yeah. panthers, I mean, they're, they're all fascinating to me. So have you heard of anything new that has kind of made you step back and go, whoa? Hmm. Boy, that's a tough one. I, I guess, are we talking about just within the field of cryptozoology mm-hmm. all around? Yeah. Hmm. We might have to come back to that, Dee. Dee. That's kind. Of, that's a great question, but I can't. I can't think of anything recently that kind of made me stop in my tracks. I've become through the years. I've been doing this so long that I've become very methodical now in terms right. of, you know, uh, I try to remain objective. I try to question and look at all the different angles, but. Mm-hmm. Um, um, yeah, so I'm gonna have to pass for now. But you know, if I <laughs> if I think of something here in the next few minutes, I'll 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 chime in and and try to bring that in. I mean, it's all you know, it's it's all fascinating. It really right. is in terms of the, the the possibility. Again, as improbable as it might seem to a lot of people, you know, the thing about cryptozoology is that a lot of these cryptids, you can't say it's totally impossible. Mm. You you can say it seems impossible. You can say it seems improbable, but there's just enough evidence for most of these topics where you 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 just can't say it's it's impossible. You there's mm-hmm. there's always that little window or sliver of of hope and possibility, and that's what's exciting to me is is the possibility right. that that you know that it could be out there somewhere. Sure. Yeah. I have one more strange question for you, Ken. I'm sure you've heard this several times. Okay, go go for it. <laughs> <laughs> Are UFOs attached to Bigfoot? Yes, I've gotten that question. Mm. Uh, that's the the number two question that I'm asked <laughs> after how to 
How did you get into cryptozoology? <laughs> Number two is always Bigfoot and UFOs. Okay, this is a... Okay, so I always preface my answer by saying that I'm an open-minded person. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm certainly fascinated by the UFO phenomenon. I uh, I think it's highly probable that there mm-hmm. is something to all that. Um, but... The evidence that I've been evaluating for over 40 years, uh, and keep in mind that I've been researching Bigfoot for decades, I've done field work all over North America, I've interviewed hundreds of eyewitnesses, I work with most of the leading Bigfoot investigators in the field, and based on all of that evidence and investigation, I personally have not seen any evidence that would lead me to believe that Bigfoot is connected to the, to UFOs in any which way. Um, It's, you know, and it's, it's, it's based on just the vast majority of sightings, reports, and accounts describe perfectly natural Mm -hmm. things. You know, there's a big hairy man-like animal running through the (laughs) woods. It's crossing the road. It's drinking water. It's calling out. It's eating, it's ripping up turtles. Um, <laughs> what primates there, do? <laughs> there's a, there are a handful of strange sightings of Bigfoot supposedly vanishing, supposedly beaming into a flying saucer. <laughs> but if you look at the vast majority of evidence, it's such a small minutia of you know the body of evidence that it's really... And that's how science works, Dee Dee. You have to base theories and hypotheses on the majority of evidence you can't cherry pick right the few the few things that you think so i understand why people want to link bigfoot to ufos there's a couple of reasons one is that we haven't found a body mm-hmm. which is very frustrating and a lot of people think well the reason we haven't found them is cuz they can jump into a portal and travel to another dimension <laughs> or you know, so it, to, it makes sense to them. I, I get that. Um, but there's another thing here, which is kind of interesting in terms of sociology and anthropology, which is humans tend to want to connect things and give them kind of meaningful connections. Yes. And it's a human tendency to want to sometimes find things and 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 connect them. And people that have an interest in the unexplained um, are, you know, are usually interested in Bigfoot and UFOs and ghosts and the Bermuda Triangle Mm -hmm. and all of it's interesting. And the way that our minds work is that these are all very problematic, you know, they're they're problematic um, concepts that there are things that we don't understand. So I think it's the way the mind works is that a lot of people want to connect these things because it makes it seem more palatable, you know, to say, okay, I'm not dealing with a mystery, B mystery and C mystery. These are all connected and they're one mystery. And that way I can kind of look at it as one problem as opposed to three unrelated problems. Right. So that's just a theory that I have. And the other thing I want to say is that, um, the vast majority of people that ask me if Bigfoot and UFOs could be related 
are people that often have a confirmation bias in terms of coming from UFO background or Mm -hmm. paranormal background as a paranormal investigator. And so, you know, and I don't mean this uh, in a, in an insulting or disingenuous way. It's just, it's a, it's a reality that all humans have confirmation bias of some type. We have these biases that we've developed throughout the course of our life. And that's how we view the world. And so the people that are the most interested in connecting Bigfoot to UFOs are people that already have an interest in UFOs or in the paranormal. Mm -hmm. And so they want Bigfoot to they think it would be cool if Bigfoot was more kind of in their wheelhouse, so to speak, that yes. it wasn't an animal, but it was something beyond, you know, yeah. something cosmic and and spiritual and and whatever. So mm-hmm. I don't know. It's a complex issue, but it the is. bottom line is, Didi, we don't know. I mean, it's all this is all speculation is really all we do in this field. So um mm-hmm. But that's the fun part. <laughs> yeah, it's, fa- it's all fascinating, I think. <laughs> it is. I it would totally love to is. see a big ape. I really I like apes anyway, so I'd love to see a big ape. <laughs> yes, I would too. And you know what? I'm so objective that <laughs> if someone can prove to me definitively that Bigfoot is connected to UFOs, if you can show me hard evidence like Bigfoot beaming down <laughs> from a UFO or stepping out of a portal from another dimension... I will immediately concede my position and accept that and say, okay, there it is. Think for this from a UFO. I have no problem doing that. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm willing right. to let go of, of my, my confirmation bias. It's like the land of the lost. Remember they had like that porthole. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. The slee stack. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, Oh, good. it's a good one. Good one. Mm-hmm. So what, before we end the show, I got one last question for you. Of course. What is going to go on for Ken this year? What can we look forward to? What shows uh, are you going to do? Are you going to write another fantastic book? Oh, gosh. Uh, well, thank you for having me on. Uh, oh, great questions you. and uh, definitely some engaging conversation. I really enjoyed it. Me too. Um, yeah, I'm kind of recalibrating right now. Um, I... Uh, I'm currently appearing on a TV series on History Channel called The Proof is Out There. Uh, it typically airs on Friday nights mm-hmm. uh, after Ancient Aliens. It deals with uh, looking at videos <laughs> of alleged cryptids and other mm-hmm. unexplained phenomenon. So um, uh, I've been working on that. And um, I don't know if I'm going to write a book yet. I've just popped out two books over the past two years. So I've been very uh very busy with that but i'm just not sure if if uh, if i've got another book on the horizon this year uh Mm -hmm. i am hoping to do some expeditions um trying to get down to tasmania to search for the tasmanian tiger which is a a cryptid that i'm very passionate about i'm trying to do some bigfoot research Mm -hmm. in the next few months uh in the pacific northwest and uh i've got a lot of lectures and appearances coming up i'll be appearing at uh some Bigfoot conferences in Michigan, Tennessee, mm-hmm. Minnesota, uh, Oklahoma. So I'm looking forward to kind of getting out there and, you know, meeting people and uh, seeing what happens. Uh, okay, Ken, how can people get your books? I'm a big supporter and people supporting the writers, of course. So if they want to buy a book from you, how do they do that? 
Well, thank you. I, I appreciate that plug. Um, all of my books are available on Amazon. So people can just type in Ken Gerhard and it'll take you to my author page. Um, if people like autographed books from the author, um, I do sell those directly. People just need to contact me on social media and I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I have a YouTube channel. People can check out my videos and, and contact me there. And, uh, yeah. So, um, but Amazon is, is probably the, the safest bet if people just want to get one quick and ship to their house. But I appreciate anyone out there. Uh, you know, if, yeah. if you've got an interest in cryptozoology, then, uh, you know, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Great books. Thank you for I, listening to it. <laughs> I've super enjoyed the, everyone that I've read. So I'm going to order a couple more next because I really think they're great. So, well, thank you. I want to thank you so much for coming on the Twilight Tonic. It's been an honor having you, and I hope our paths cross again. Well, thank you, Dee Dee. The, the honor's all been mine, and uh, I hope everyone out there is uh, feeling good and staying safe. You too, and you have a wonderful journey this year, and I'm looking forward to seeing you on TV again. Oh, awesome. Well, thank you so much. Hopefully we'll talk again very soon. I'd love to have you back on. You just say the word and you're back on, Ken. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Hey, that sounds good. I appreciate that. You have a good night and thank you. Okay. You too, Dee Dee. Bye-bye.